Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast blowout that takes an old movie people said was a lump of coal and gives it a closer look to see if in fact it's actually a lovely overlooked diamond. I'm Rob and here are Simon and James. How are you boys? Hello. Hello there. <laughs> are you both well? Oh yes. All the better for seeing you Rob obviously. Oh, likewise fellas, you cheeky little monkeys. Um, <laughs> what have you been watching this week? All oh, these weeks? Because yes. it's the tail end of summer, isn't it? It is. So what yeah. have you been watching while we've been gallivanting? Oh, I've seen some lovely stuff over the last few weeks. First off, I want to just talk about Nick Cage's triumphant return to the big screen. So I managed to catch Pig, oh, yes. the uh, Nick Cage truffle pig movie on the big screen. And I was thinking back, and this must I can't remember the last time I actually saw Cage in the cinema. I've seen plenty of his movies over the years, but a lot has been going straight to DVD, hasn't it? So Drive Angry, I think, mine one. Yeah, Kick-Ass, possibly, I think. Or yeah. It's like a decade ago. So, yeah, it's lovely to see his beautiful mug. Well, not so beautiful in this in this particular movie. <laughs> he's a hermit who lives in the woods. But, yeah, oh, really enjoyed the movie. So the film is an often surreal and unexpectedly tender rumination on love and loss that features an affecting stripped-back performance from the Nickster. He's really, really good in this movie. I mean, it's not surprising to me or to us, even because I've seen him be excellent in everything, but it's really a restrained and excellent performance. And it just goes to show that given the right material and a character that he can actually get his teeth into, Cage is still capable of delivering truly stellar performances. And it's a really well-directed film as well from a first-time director whose surname I can't pronounce. But um, yeah, just really, really good, solid indie movie all, all the way around. You know, it, around, it reminded me a lot of... Uh, do you remember that film he made with David Gordon Green, Joe? Yeah, what a movie that is. Joe is amazing. Joe is really, really good. Yeah. He's very much in that sort of mode. So, yeah, just again, just knocking it out of the park. Give him a good script, good director. He's all over it. Is it worth checking out on the big screen? If you can still catch it. I think it's well worth, uh, well worth seeing while you can, but um, I'm sure it'll be on VOD in no time. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it's good because it's got a lot of hype and sometimes with these, when films are on the hype train, they just fail to sort of deliver, don't they? So mm. it's good to hear that it's good. Yep. Wicked. Um, next up, another independent film that I saw. So this is a British film. Uh, it's called Censor. Have you guys heard of this movie? No. So this is one is set in the 80s at the height of the video nasties controversy. Uh, the film is centred around a compellingly intense performance from Neve Algar, as a film censor who starts to come apart after watching a horror film that echoes her own haunted past. Oh, wow. What a premise. Yeah, yeah it's really good. So the depiction of the tabloid hysteria surrounding video nasties feels totally authentic. And while narratively it's a little thin, I think it's only 80 minutes long or 82 minutes long, something like that. This is nonetheless an atmospheric and nostalgic slice of British horror, not to mention an impressive debut from Welsh director Prano Bailey Bond. Wow. So yeah, really, really good. Wow. Commode absolutely loved it. He gave it five stars, although his mate Kim Newman is an executive producer on it. So, <laughs> And he loves his video nasties, doesn't he, Commode? He's, he he does, was very yeah. much a champion of them all when they were all getting banished <laughs> he was he was sort of singing their praises and stuff wasn't he no yeah i've had i have heard a lot of good things about that and um yeah the lead actress in it is she the one who was in that calm with horses yeah yeah she's amazing she's, she's well great known. isn't she she was on a tv program as well which just sort of finished on channel four which got a lot of rave reviews as well so yeah she's she's starting to do a lot of big things which is which is great and she was in the um 
that Ridley Scott robot program. I watched that um, Raised by Wolves. Yes, which I'm yet to watch. She's in that as well, and she's she's really good in that. Uh, yeah, but you guys will definitely enjoy Sensor as being aware of the video nasties culture of the 80s. Yeah, I think I'm really, really up for that now. Yeah, so keep an eye out for it. Yeah, I didn't know what it was about, so yeah. Sounds amazing. And then finally, if I can have one more, I recently got a uh, a subscription to... I got a new phone, so I got a subscription to Apple TV+. Plus. And on there is an indie movie that they picked up from Sundance earlier this year, uh, and it's called Coda. So we pop this on, and the story centers around Ruby, who's the only hearing person in her deaf Massachusetts uh, fishing family who discovers that she has a gift for music and must choose between sticking around to support her family or follow her dream of attending music college. It's got a hint of the Billy Elliot's around it and it's one of the most manipulative films I've ever seen but (laughs) oh my god you know formula is there for a reason when it's done well it's just absolutely brilliant and this film has got so filled with so much charm and good nature and sensitivity it's brilliantly acted by everyone in it and honestly I was blubbing like you wouldn't believe at the end (laughs) you know every single beat this movie is going to hit as it goes along, right? And you're like, go on, go on, oh! And then by the end, I'm just a blubbering wreck. I think even the hardest cynic would have a tear in their eye come the end of this. It's an absolute show-stopping finale and a real feel-good treat. So, yeah, I'm, I would highly recommend that. It, unfortunately for the film, it's on Apple TV+, Plus, so only about 17 people are going to watch it. <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask you because I don't fully understand Apple TV Plus because I think I I still have it having also bought a new phone and getting given with my new phone contract. And it, so the, there are films on it you can watch and you don't have to pay for because I always thought it was yes. just TV. It, but then it's, it's like Netflix, so it's stuff that they've acquired basically. So there's a Justin Timberlake movie on there, Palmer, which is very good. Watched that earlier this year. He's still acting. Oh yeah, I didn't know. I think uh, he's not as much, but yeah, he's um, he's still doing a bit of acting, bit of music here and there. I mean, he's our age, isn't he? So he can't be a pop star anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they don't have a load of movies. They've got Wolf Walkers, which yes. I think was up for animated movie at the Oscars earlier this year. So they have they have one or two, but it's mainly TV stuff. Because I, ne- I never go because I always thought it was just TV. I watched that Defending Jacob and yeah, uh, Ted Lasso is kind of the only things I really watch on it. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't know it was film, so I should probably check that out a bit more. I, I'm yeah. losing track of all these bloody. Oh, there's so many. Now. Sit down to watch a film. It takes you an hour to pick one because of all the bloody different ones you could have to check. I've had to get so <laughs> organised with watch lists now in terms of like the films that I want to see throughout the year, and then figure out what streaming services they they're on, mm. and actually make a note of it. Otherwise, you just miss all of this stuff that comes out. But yeah, Coda. If you have Apple TV Plus, I would highly recommend that. Cool. Nice. Very, very cool. And what about you, Si? What have you been digging into? Yeah, I've watched loads of stuff uh, since the last chat to you guys, but I've had the house to myself this weekend, so I've had the chance to watch a bucket load of great movies that have been on the list for ages that aren't either Lord of the Rings, Twister, or Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves for the 50th time. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, uh, the first film I wanted to mention was uh, One Night in Miami, which is the big screen directorial debut of Regina King. That's a fictionalised account of of an evening where Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, uh, NFL player Jim Brown and Cassius Clay uh, met together in a hotel room in Miami after Clay's monumental victory over Sonny Liston. And it was just a discussion about their status as entertainers and icons and activists in a 
in a time in America where it was really divided. And, you know, it's about the power they have and the responsibility they have to drive forward that civil rights movement in 1960s America. Um, and it's just, it's like a play. I mean, it is based on a play. So it's just basically these four guys just talking for two hours, I think it is. But it's a really great film with just four absolutely incredible performances at the forefront of it. And it's a real testament to Regina King, actually, to you know, and her ability to orchestrate these amazing performances of these iconic people for a first-time director. You know, it's really great work from a first-time director, you know, like at this level. So, yeah, definitely recommend that. It's it's really, really good. I think I caught it on Amazon. I think it's currently yep. on Amazon Prime. It's very good. Nice. It's on my list. Oh, that Well, it's on my list now. absolutely love Regina King. So, um, yeah. Another film, I, I took a trip to the cinema today, actually, to watch the, the latest offering from Marvel. Of course I did. I'm a, I'm a sucker for Have my money, Disney, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and caught uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Ooh. And it's just... Uh, magnificent it's so good so like coming from someone who was like completely enamored with far eastern movies culture mythology and mysticism growing up it was just right up my street it's thrilling it's exciting magical and it's just a film that's as gorgeous to look at as it is to listen to as well it's got some like really mesmerizing fight choreography which is a bit sort of out there for marvel like it's very much you know wire work sort of hong kong choreography rather than your sort of just fist fight stuff which marvel tend to do it's got really rich lore behind it as well and a properly amazing score to go with it all you know it's it's a bloody brilliant film (laughs) it's got all that usual trademark marvel humor and like all the interweaving with the mcu um which is getting a bit dense and ridiculous now but it's certainly up there in terms of like the standalone marvel films and I, I I don't know. I need to see it again, but I think it's my favourite one. Um, wow! It's it's a total blast um, and, a, and an amazing introduction to this new character, which I'm sure many people don't know who he is. You know, they're not that familiar with him in the comic book sense. Mm. But yeah, it, it was great. It's a bit of a shame that it's going to get caught up in all the, the the tangled web of the MCU because it it felt good to have something what was on its own and and was a bit new, but then. Um, yeah, it's obviously going to get pulled into all that nonsense and <laughs> get, get bogged down with the... Because now that you've given it such a stellar review, I I kind of want to check it out. It's but amazing. then at the same time, I'm two TV shows and two mo- and a movie behind. Like, So am I going to completely get lost or am I going to get bored in those moments because I don't know what the fuck's going on? No, so it's it's kind of works without the... Um, well, without Black Widow it works and without Loki and... Uh, the Winter Soldier one. Are they the two programs? Yeah, yeah. I've seen One Division, but I haven't seen the um, I haven't seen Black Widow yet. But I believe Black. I assume Black Widow is a prequel anyway. Yeah, that just kind of sits on its own. And then um, the TV programs. I mean, Loki. I start. I was enjoying the start of it, but by the end of it, I was like, oh, for God's sake! Like, <laughs> what it, what it, the ending of that. Not to spoil it, but what that means for the rest of the movies is just, it's gonna go bonkers. It's just very, so convoluted now, and Loki just makes it ten times more complicated. It's like I've only got a small brain. Just I don't want to <laughs> have to think about it all so much. But you can watch this without having watched those. Oh crap! You know, okay, I might check it out then. It has its callbacks and its nods to other Marvel films, but you could definitely watch it on its own and it'll all make sense and all work. Um, but 
it's brilliant. It, especially if you like Hong Kong cinema. Yes. You know, it could act as a pretty good gateway to like a new audience for like Jackie Chan movies. That's cool. It's definitely along those lines, and they, you know they were clearly inspired by all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's great. I really loved it. I thought it was it was amazing. Nice. Would would it work if you've not seen a Marvel a new Marvel movie since twenty sixteen? I think I don't. The movie you have to see, I don't want to say because it'll ruin the big reveal in it. Not oh, not reveal, I, but the big character. Can I guess it? Can I guess it? Uh I've. If you want, go on. Doctor Strange. <laughs> Is it? Doctor, Doctor. Well, I mean, that's the that's the film what doesn't ruin it because uh, Wong is, Benedict Wong is in the trailer. So, um, yeah, it links to Doctor Strange, but there's another one. Right. Which it links to, and uh, and I uh, had an audible reaction in the cinema when it happened. Was it a lovely, like, <gasps> Yeah, I, it was, because it, I loved the uh, character when he first popped up. And oh, I already know. This has already been. I'm, I won't spoil it. It's. Um, I, I've already read it somewhere else. Yeah, and I. I uh, considering that. Yeah, what happened when when it originally, you know, the character originally came out and how they sort of come at it in this film. Yeah, I loved it. Cool. That actually makes me want to watch it. It's it really good. I, I was going really to miss or just wait for it to be on Disney Plus for free in three months' time, but <laughs> I might actually take the plunge on that one. Yeah, I I mean I I'm a sucker for these movies anyway. But then have you Marvel? But then also have this yeah kung fu thing chucked in, and Tony Leung's in it, which is just mind blowing, <laughs> and he's just amazing in it. Awesome. Um, I can't wait to see it again. You know, like straight away out the cinema, I was like, I just start it again. <laughs> I want to watch it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, really, really enjoy that it. It's proper awesome. What about you, Rob? What have you been watching? Um. Paw Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> I really do want to see. Have you seen the trailer? Straight fire. Um, <laughs> um, I have seen. I've watched all three Hotel Transylvania movies. Um, Are they the Adam Sandler ones? Well, I didn't know they were Adam Sandler until halfway through the second one. Isn't the second one supposed to be really good? I've heard one of them is I, really good. <laughs> I think all three are really good. <laughs> I think they're great. And if you like, there's some amazing fart and toilet humour in these movies. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's Sandler Town, but, uh, and it would be, you know, expected. But yeah, I, I really like them. Um, and yeah, and the, the kids have really enjoyed them as well. Um, and there was, it was one of those where there's enough humour in it for the adults. They're not going to win anything. And I don't think anyone who want, went to Grown Ups 2 thought it would win anything, you know, but... <laughs> There's a spot there for this, and I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it, and it was quite sweet actually, because it's about um, essentially a single dad who is um, whose daughter's growing up too quickly, and then there's loads of fart jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Very touching. <laughs> Very touching. Yeah, uh, I think uh, is it Frankenstein's legs walk off at one point and go up behind another character and drop a disgracefully massive fart, and then walk back. <laughs> And then the guy gets blamed for it. You know, it's, I mean, it's outstanding if you like that kind of thing, <laughs> which I do, so it's fine. Um, the other one is, I also went to the cinema to get involved in some cage action, but I didn't know it when I went. Um, I watched Croods 2. Oh, and yes. Cage voices the dad in Croods 2. <laughs> it's like, it was 10 minutes into the movie and there'd just been lots of fighting and running around and lots of noises. And, and I could swear that the dad's noises. I was like, I recognise them grunts. Oh. 
I was like, peace or beans? Yeah. <laughs> Persuasion. <Nine. laughs> and again, it's a story of um, a dad who's, you know, eldest daughter is growing up and he's not, you know, he's got to try and take it on. But I've got to take, the, the voice cast in this film was absolutely brilliant and it was loads of fun, loads of really funny, great ideas. I went with my dad as well. My dad was there because we were on holiday and um, I thought like, dad, you, daddy's going to be snoozing in 10 minutes here. Were your and kids he, there as well or did you and yeah, your dad just, just you and your dad, dad please. <laughs> Gonna take me eldest to the uh, cinema uh, <laughs> at breakfast. Dad, would you like to go see Crudes too? <laughs> uh, no, the kids were there as well, and Mrs. Parker was there as well, um, and it was just great. I really, really enjoyed it. Loads of um, funny gags. Um, you've got uh, Peter Dinklage is voicing uh, one of the other roles as well. Emma Stone's in it too. Um, it was just a load of fun. I had a load of fun with it. Oscar-winning actors coming out of the, the wazoo in the crew. Yeah, too. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds was in it as well. Uh, a handsome young caveman. And uh, I just had a lot of fun. You know, it it was great. Um, so Crude's 2. I've not seen Crude's 1, so I can't make a comparison. Um, but um, if it's got Cage in it, which I'm assuming it has, but I can't, he, if you were wondering whether Cage brings his usual zest for delivery... He definitely does. He definitely does. He goes for it. And um, I'd love to see the, the, the footage of him oh, at I the know. mic. I bet he's oh, sweating it. buckets by the end of Honestly, it. <laughs> you know, with wearing a, a T-Rex skull for a hat or something. I don't. I bet he was. But it, it's so much fun. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much the sum total of what Amazing. I've been watching. Um, along with lots of my, my little boy likes um, American candy videos. Just... People opening candy and eating it. And it's just, ah, oh dear, it's weird, man. <laughs> Scorsese must be fuming at the popularity <laughs> of those videos. I'm, I'm gonna, oh, there is one more thing. I'm going to reserve judgment on it until, um, uh, until I've finished it. But I'm halfway through Wonder Woman 84. Um, it's, and I'm really like, enjoying it's, it. It's really long, isn't it? I, um... It's a bit long, yeah. Um, but that said, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I've got to be honest, I think I prefer the DC Cinematic Universe to the... The Marvel one. Interesting. Super stuff, fellas. Great recommendations there as well. Loads uh, that I've made notes on um, and we'll probably never get around to watching. <laughs> <laughs> but I will try. Because, um, of course, Hotel Transylvania 4 is going to come in out in October, so that's going to take family precedence. So, yeah. Anyway, so we have a question from the Twitters today, don't we, James? We do, we do. So um, our mate Paul from the Excellent Film Busters podcast. Hey, Paul. He just wants to know, what we what our favourite childhood films were. He doesn't want to know all the obvious ones. So the films that we watched endlessly as children, and they can't be the obvious ones. So guys, have at it. I mean, this is a good question, because I like the fact that we've got that caveat. Yes. It can't be yes. the obvious ones. Yeah, because obviously so, we all watched Indiana Jones, we all watched yeah, Back to the Future, yeah. Star Wars, yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah. but there'll be the, those ones that became cult family favourites for reasons that you can't work out. Like... Um, Spy Hard, the Leslie Nielsen spoof. <laughs> Honestly, we just burnt that tape out. It, it was so good. I absolutely loved it. Any James Bond film, any um, at all, that they, those got burnt to pieces. Gremlins on VHS that we taped at Christmas once, but my uncle taped it. Um, and it, you remember when video players had like the long play and, and short play option? Yeah. yeah. And it would be like on sort of like even worse resolution, wouldn't, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was long the play. quality was poorer on long play. Yeah. Well, we didn't have a short play player, 
but he recorded the first 15 minutes in long play and then you could see like oh god where he'd gone and pressed it on short play <laughs> <laughs> and it was where so you know you've got all this blah, 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 and then gizmo pops out and that's when i can start watching and it only occurred to me like maybe two years ago that i should watch it properly and i just saw the first 15 <laughs> minutes for the first time all that stuff in Chinatown I'd never seen before. <laughs> Honestly, it was like, you know, like something you love as much as Gremlins, like being able to see it for the first time. It's a bit like that. Um, that was superb. Um, and can I bend the rules slightly? Yeah, go, yeah. Thank you. There was, um, did anyone see the Sylvanian Families TV programme? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> so, you know, Sylvanian Families, right? They're, they're them little dolls, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, like, like badgers and stuff like that, yeah. And it looks dead twee, doesn't it? You know, but what it was, what the cartoon was that the program never gave away. And I, this is such an aberration. I don't understand this cartoon at all. But it was all about some, you know, like some inner city kid who's got problems. And like immediately you're looking at them little beavers and bunnies and thinking, what? This doesn't add up at all. And in the middle of the night, they'd go to bed with some like huge issue. And then um, they'd end up at somewhere called the, the woodkeeper's cabin. <gasps> and, um, the woodkeeper would be there doing some menial tasks and then say, you're going to Sylvanian families. And then he'd be whacking away at, you know, some wood or whatever. And there'd be a little door in his house and they'd have to do this chant. Small, smaller, smallest. And the person, the child in the dream would go down to this big and then go through this door into the Sylvanian family's forest where there's, there's this town. But again, it was just riddled with corruption. <laughs> it, it was insane. Like... Robberies taking place, you know, like the, I remember that one was a, like a carrot heist at the bank, um, and but what it also didn't tell you that there was an evil like vampiric marsupial called Padbat who was kidnapping the kids of the town, and then and the, the kids would go there and they'd always have battles with Padbat and his mate um, Gator Possum, who was just a massive gator that was always going on about eating Sylvanian families. And then they'd go back having solved summer, and then they'd be um, their life massive issue would be solved by the time they woke up. It was just insane and absolutely nothing to do with that incredibly popular toy line <laughs> <laughs> that you see these little furry dolls, and then this insane cartoon that offshot off shot from it. And we wore that video out. <laughs> <laughs> we had an omnibus video, and it was incredible. Sorry, that was a really long-winded. I've never thing. heard of that. Never. I'm going to find some YouTube. Absolutely bonkers. It was really bonkers. It's wow. it's unbelievable how many of these cartoons for kids in the early '90s were literally only existed to sell more toys. They had yeah. they Seriously. made zero sense out of that, other than like Transformers is just a huge toy commercial. But I was obsessed with that one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But you couldn't. They you, they didn't do toys of Pac Bat and Gator Possum and the. The woodkeeper, who was a bit weird, I'm going to say, you know, oh, look, here's another child at my woodland retreat. <laughs> Come into my cabin. Don't think it would fly these days. In the real world, while they're in this little world, the parents are just fretting because their kids have gone missing for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Police are searching the fields. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. Um, oh, also, uh, the Ewok cartoon. I've got to throw oh, that in there as well. That yeah. was outstanding, the Ewoks cartoon. Um, anyway, um, Sai, what about you? Well, well, I think for like people of our age, uh, certainly for me anyway, it was usually like what you had recorded on VHS, as you yep. said, Rob. You know, mm. r films ruined by having to ad breaks in, or your mum yep. would be quick enough to pause it when the ad break came on. It just there's like really harsh cuts. 
Um, so yeah, aside from like the big obvious one for me, which was obviously Big Trouble in Little China, which we incidentally had to fast forward through a film called On Golden Pond that just looked like the most boring film ever. So like, you know, back then you're like, you had you had this VHS. It was recorded on long play. You got two films on there, of course. And uh, we just every time we just had to fast forward. So I've seen On Golden Pond in fast motion with no sound about forty times. <laughs> it just looks incredibly boring. Um, another one was that Disney's Robin Hood was on constant repeat. Oh yeah, uh, that's that's how you teach kids about heroism. Well, it was like the the, the sort of rehashed. You know, it was a low point in Disney's uh, catalogue, wasn't it? This era of Disney films where they just just recolored frames from like Jungle Book and yeah. other Disney movies to make this whole new movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I loved it. I, I was obsessed with Robin Hood. And then another one on the VHS, uh, The Golden Child with Eddie Murphy ah. and Charles Dance. Have you seen? We used to watch that all the time, um, which I think qualifies for this here. Yes, uh, podcast. So, I mean, I haven't seen it since I was about ten years old. So uh, I don't know how it's fed, but yeah, uh, that was that got absolutely rinsed. And then another double bill one we had was uh, we had Krull and Legend on one VHS, which is a cracking double bill of like of of those fantasy eighties fantasy movies. Krull was just brilliant, so shit, but so good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just watched that all the time. You know. You know, and and that was the film that was, uh, you know, the reason for being scared of quicksand throughout my entire childhood. <laughs> <laughs> never, never experienced any, you know, no, it never no. crossed my path to quicksand. But just, irrational fear of quicksand. But yeah, v- oh, it's always the VHSs. Yeah, always the VHSs. There was something so nice about VHS. You just but... watch them over and over again because you had nothing else. Not like yeah. now where you've got hundreds and hundreds of films you can just stick on. Honestly, and, trying know. to explain this to the kids, yeah, it's just there's no point trying to. Different generation just totally pulls yeah. apart the generations now. Um, what about you, James? Well, again, I'm going to talk about uh, a long play videotape that I had that I was absolutely obsessed with, and I had the best double bill ever of uh, Short Circuit One and Two. Oh yes, oh, yes. That's outstanding. Absolutely obsessed with these garbage but excellent movies. Um, <laughs> part two in particular is super hardcore, and that's before you even get into Fisher Stevens' oh. makeup. Um, <laughs> is it? Is it two the one with the really sad bit where the robot gets beaten up by the two hoodlums? Oh, where, that where haunts my dreams. I I was devastated. I, I love that film, but I could not hack that scene. I used to get no. so upset when Johnny Five got the baseball bat to him by these two hoodlums. <laughs> like, and he's, he's bleeding battery he's fluid bleeding everywhere. Yeah. Like, oh, you can't what? do this. I rewatched the scene in preparation for this, right? And one of them takes an axe to his to his oh, midsection. That's and a sh- disgrace. And it splatters radiator fluid all over his mate like, and, then, and then he's like looking up at them with his pleading little beady eyes like I'm alive, I'm alive. and they like hammer him in the eye straight in the eye oh, and then I'd completely forgotten what happens after that I mean I remember watching that for the first time and I was just inconsolable I was devastated absolutely every screaming time. and crying my eyes out they're <laughs> killing him he's alive he's alive <laughs> 
I mean, when you're a kid, you completely suspend disbelief. He's like the worst robot in the world. He can easily be defeated by stairs. You know, if it doesn't have wheelchair access, he's not getting in there. Like. <laughs> and in the second one, he doesn't even have his cool laser anymore because he's like mellowed out. Anyway, after the after the um, oh, the hoodlums in the big city trash him, he goes like full Liam Neeson in the final act. Like. He does, doesn't he? Like, um, and Bonnie Tyler's playing, holding yeah. out for a hero, isn't it? And he's got a Travis Bickle mohawk as well. Yeah. Like, he absolutely he not, goes postal. Does he not come back all like brass or golden or something like that? He did, like, he, 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 did. he changed uh, Exhibit sort of sorted him out. uh, Yeah, (laughs) pimped up by Tim Westwood. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Yeah, it's just incredible. And yeah, I mean, it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous film. And they they do not make kids' movies like that anymore. No. No. And and then I was also like in 1994, I was massively obsessed with um, with Jim Carrey. So Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber. They were all like hugely on rotation in our house. And then from about age 11 onwards, it was just literally any violent action movie that we could get our hands on. <laughs> like yeah, that, was that our dad would part. let us watch. Like <laughs> T1 and T2, absolute stalwarts. But you know, if we could get anything like a Van Damme, like a Bloodsport or Kickboxer or something like that, it's just like, we just want to see people get battered and shot and murdered. <laughs> <laughs> but not Johnny Five, quite clearly. No, Johnny. not Johnny Five. There is a line here. <laughs> I- that talking about Johnny Five and, and Short Circuit has, has reminded me of another one I used to watch. Was there Batteries Not Included? Did you ever see Batteries? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That was on Flight a, of the Navigator. Was another one. I was going to say that was on yeah. a, that that was on the long play VHS with Flight of the Navigator as well. I used to nice. Watch. I love these combinations. These long yeah. play double bills. I mean, quite genius for the parents. I don't know whether they were like. Yeah. It, I mean, apart from on Golden Pond and Big Trouble in China. <laughs> <laughs> The rest of them are really good double bills. Nice. Yeah. That's a great question. I really enjoyed that little yeah. trip down memory lane because I bet everyone listening has their own that oh, they could absolutely. draw from. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, when you hear this episode, gang, uh, please let us know on Twitter. Let us know what, what your oh, sort I'd love of to know. burnout, love to know. yeah, burnout VHSs were or DVDs or whatever. You know, anything at all. It'd be great to revisit some of these and just, like, see if they were absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Because I remember one day in particular with Short Circuit, I watched both movies back-to-back, and then I just rewound the tape and watched them both again. So it was, like, eight hours of watching Johnny (laughs) Five. Just over Two massive crying fits as well. (laughs) I do love it, though, like like what you said before, Rob, when, you know, you're watching a film and it's always got these ad breaks in and, you know, you your, your mum's accidentally recorded over the ending with Gardner's World or something. <laughs> yeah. And then you watch it on DVD and you're like, I've never seen this bit before, but What's I can, c- can quote the rest of it word for word. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this ending? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is it. And and we won't get this anymore with streaming. Streaming has no. robbed us of this quaint, antiquated way of watching things. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I would sort of say that that sort of era of the VHS thing and you know, only really having terrestrial telly, which was four four channels when we were a kid, which then turned to five. Mm. That's how we we were entertained. But now it's just an endless. You know, you've got kids' TV. What's tw- like twenty four hours a day? Yeah, yeah. And then you've got all these, you know, on demand services. And I would say, like, certainly for me, like, my, you know, my love of film is down to those VHSs. And, Same here. You know, they yeah, were they absolutely. were my main source of entertainment them and video games yeah so kids now i you know i'm sure they do you know love films but 
I don't know. There's maybe there's a bit of magic missing for you know th- that nostalgia won't be I as think there might be as big for them when they get to our age because it'll just be you know because you're just getting lost in a sea of options on Netflix, yeah. and Amazon, and. And and you didn't have to. The effort was there was an effort there to record something, wasn't there? It's not yeah. like you just stumble stumble upon it these days. Like um, I used to get more excited. I, I loved receiving a VHS, but I got more excited about receiving a blank VHS oh, because yeah. you could do so much with a blank VHS. And the little stickers you got in it. <laughs> <laughs> You're programming your own little film festival, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, like... <laughs> uh, seriously, and that that moment of you know, like oh no. There's an amazing movie on at 8 p.m. tonight, but I've not got a blank. What can I get rid of? You know, and you've got to sacrifice something on another VHS so you can watch it. On Golden Pond, I'm talking about here. Yeah, <laughs> Why was it yeah, never taken? Was always was all yeah. It stayed stronger on on Golden Pond. Amazing, super discussion. That I, that was really fun. I'm beaming. Yeah, my cheeks are hurting. I've enjoyed that so much. Cool tonight's movie. Then I suppose that's what we should get on to. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> James, James. Um, well, my pick. I suppose James's caveat there suggests that it was always going to be my pick. So, without further ado, when a beaver wrangler gets torn in twain on a remote lake in Maine, I didn't realise that. What that rhymed? <laughs> I should write greeting cards. I did it. <laughs> Come on, Rob. A pervert sheriff, the President of the United States, a heartbroken paleontologist, and a rich lunatic go in search of the culprit, and expendable characters die. Of course, this is 1999's Lake Placid. It has existed since prehistoric times. It was worshipped by primitive cultures. It can kill a man with one crushing bite. We heard a man was bit in half. Any recent bear attacks? Bears don't attack people underwater. Probably a fever then. What was that? Whatever's out there, who shot with this, he's dead. Oh no. (laughs) Sheriff, how many deputies you got? You came here to help you find it. We can't let him kill it. Experience a few parts mystery. Do you have any theories why he's here? Honestly, I don't know. And a few parts. Missing. It's a human toe. Is this the man who was killed? He seemed taller. Oh my god. Bill Pullman. Shoot him! No! How much of a wacko is this guy? Bridget Fonda. Mother! Oliver Platt. Maybe swim back up! Maybe not! I just have this feeling everything's totally safe. This summer, the Earth's oldest creature has just found a new home. Lake Placid. So Lake Placid. Um, I suppose you guys want to know why I picked this. I'm intrigued, Rob. I'm surprised that you like this film as much as you do to bring it forward. I am surprised, yeah. Given your love for creature features, I would think that you'd be quite disdainful of this effort. But uh, Really? But no, no, I'm, I'm interested to I'm interested to that's, hear. That's interesting. Um 
And that that will, yeah. Because I think I'm going to learn quite a bit as we talk this through about myself as much as anything. I This came out in 99. Yeah. I went to America in the year 2000 and uh, just to visit my family over there. My American cousin, Mike, is two months younger than I am, but he had um, their house had this very incredible basement, which is like the basement that you see in American movies. You know, it yeah. was very much the archetypal thing, you know, and he would have parties down there and stuff, but pretty much everything that went on happened in this basement. You know, we watched sort of two movies there, I remember very vividly, and one was this uh, on cable. Uh, the other one was the Drew Barrymore Cinderella movie because uh, we had my younger sister and his younger sister there as well. So we did a deal, you know, we could have the the basement TV one night and watch this um, and he, they could have it another night to watch the Cinderella story, I think it's called. And I remember watching this like, and it was just, it was so exotic watching a movie in America in such an American setting. And maybe nostalgia is a huge part of this, possibly, I don't know. But I remember seeing that, because it was on cable, and I remember early in the week seeing the the you know the ads saying this Sunday night at nine central you know um, <laughs> Lake Placid and, and you know the it was so cool and I was so hyped up about being there and living that and all that kind of stuff um, yeah and we watched it and then it, of course with it being me I mean it's a creature movie and it's a brilliant setting in Maine it's beautiful area and um, and I realised that as I like this these things setting is so important to me you know, in these things. And this is a really beautiful setting. Um, and Stan Winston on creature design here, obviously massive Stan Winston fan. I don't think, I don't know anyone who isn't in the, you know, who enjoys this kind of thing. So yeah. And I just, I love a great big thing, eating people, um, <laughs> <laughs> attacking people. I just, I love that kind of stuff. Pure cinema for me. I'm a man with simple tastes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember it being funny. You know, I remember it being funny. So um so yeah that's that's my relationship so to speak. What about by yourself Sai what about your relationship with uh, Lake Placid? Yeah, another another water-based creature feature for us. Um I I know I'd, I'd never seen it. I knew of it obviously. You'd never seen it? No, so I you know I remember the poster with the big massive jaws of the crocodile and then the, yeah. the, the title in big red letters. But yeah, I don't think I I just never caught it. Um I you know I knew of it. I probably seen bits and pieces of it while I was on telly just like flicking through or whatever. But yeah, I'd never sat down to actually like watch it in full. So yeah, this was a first watch for me. Amazing. Uh, James, what about you? Yeah, I, I remember we rented this from the video shop uh, when it was released on home video. Might have been even a DVD. We might have been going up in the world at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and we watched it and I remember uh, quite enjoying it, actually. I mean, I don't think I've seen it since, to be honest. But I do remember audibly when my uh, it's quite a short film. This and I remember my dad sort of going when it when it ended and the credits started rolling. Is that it? Uh, he'd obviously like <laughs> hope that it'd kill like two hours of him having to deal with me and my brother. So, <laughs> so imagine his frustration at an hour and fifteen when we're uh, <laughs> when we're rolling. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eighty-two minutes. This one, isn't it? I mean, that. I don't know whether that's that's almost full and shy of the sweet spot. <laughs> it might have done. Can you do enough in that time? I'm not sure. It's um, the rare occasion where I'd say this one could have done with being about fifteen minutes longer. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I must admit, this is another one where I get so excited about being able to pick these things. 
when it when my turn comes around, um, and I'm thinking of what can I force them to watch now? <laughs> I don't actually check half the time if it qualifies, and this must qualify. But James, budget and box office, let's start there. Yeah, so uh, the budget on this is not insignificant. So $35 million, it grossed uh, just over $31 million in the States and another $25 million internationally for a total worldwide gross of just under $57 million. So not a massive hit, but tidy enough. Uh, and I imagine that it did do quite well on home video, and that's without taking into account the five television sequels that it spawned. Mm. Wow. All sci-fi originals, as far as I can tell. And uh, mm. do you know the titles of some of these? So we have <laughs> the imaginatively titled Lake Placid 2 and 3. Then after that, they start uh, sourcing it up a bit. So we have Lake Placid, the final chapter, but that's only the fourth entry in the uh, in the series. <laughs> so that's bullshit. Um <laughs> Then after that, we have Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Do they think the crocodile is called Lake Placid? Who knows? <laughs> and, then, uh... <laughs> and then the ominously named Lake Placid Legacy, Ooh. which is one of the most generic titles I've ever come across. So, yeah. Wow. Lake Placid back in the habit. <laughs> <laughs> Lake Placid Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Outstanding. Lake Placid, Port of Call, New Orleans. They could have tied that in. There's a crocodile at the start of that. A crocodile going full gong. (laughs) So, yeah, who who would have thought that this would would spawn such a long running franchise? I knew it had, I knew it had like a straight to video sequel. I didn't know it managed to do five. Jesus. I only knew about like the Anaconda one. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> the crocodile's called Lake Placid. <laughs> At least we know now where uh, Jim Cameron got his inspiration for the Avatar sequels. It's like, how many did Lake Placid do? <laughs> <laughs> if Lake Placid could do it, I could do it. <laughs> Avatar versus Anaconda. <laughs> versus Lake Placid. Triple threat. Versus match. Lake Placid. <laughs> So yeah, if anyone's seen any of those sequels, do let us know. I don't think any of us have ventured past the original instalment. You're right. Why is this called Lake Placid then? If it's because it's not the name of the lake, no. it's Black Lake, isn't it? Yeah, it's the name of the lake. So why is it called Lake Placid? I, I, I wanted to ask you that because it's like it's sort of brushed under the carpet really early on, where it's just a throwaway line. Where it's like they wanted to call the lake Lake Placid, but it was taken. <laughs> so yeah. Like, All right. Why is it called like? Why is the film called Lake Placid? Then? Why? Unless it's the name of the villainous crocodile. <laughs> this is the only explanation I can think of now. Basically, David E. Kelly just decided that he liked that title better, but he was set in on a fictional lake, so he couldn't have... The, I think there is actually a real Lake Placid, so... Yes, possibly. I, I mean, Funny. I don't know. I'm in love with this fabricated mythology now. <laughs> so this is all perfect as far as I'm concerned. Um, super stuff. So, yeah. What about then critical, side? Yeah, we're very much back in our critical comfort zone this week after the dizzy heights of um, Bad <laughs> Lieutenant last, week, last, last time. Uh, Lake Placid sits comfortably within our qualification criteria um, with a 47% on Rotten Tomatoes and an even lowlier 34 on Metacritic. And and after quite the hiatus, good old Mick LaSalle's back. Oh! Oof, the sheriff's in town. Yes, the yes. sheriff is back. Um, 
it, sitting on the fence with this one, Mick is, uh, you give it a two out of four, saying sometimes quality isn't important. There can be something comforting in the predictably mediocre. <laughs> Backhanded compliments from Mick there. I think <laughs> I can see where he's coming from. I'm yeah. a big enough boy to see that. Uh, another one, one of our sort of frequent uh, critics we go to, uh, Roger Ebert, wasn't as kind. Uh, he gave it one out of four oh, and said, uh, "This is the kind of movie that actors discuss in long, sad talks with their agents." <laughs> <laughs> That's a disgrace, Eves. <laughs> Uh, oh. yeah, there was a, there was a string of similar reviews across uh, the media in the US, all ones and twos. You know, very rarely getting anything more than that. Bizarrely, over here though, Andrew Collins of Empire was totally on the other side of the coin with this one. Uh, gave it a whole four stars. What a dude! <laughs> That's insane. That four. Is, yeah. <laughs> was this in that period where they were giving? Um, Attack of the Clones, five out of five. Uh, yeah, it's uh, in the, just, yeah, only a handful of years before, isn't it? Uh, um, Andrew said, uh, you can enjoy Placid as a straightforward camping holiday nightmare or as a sly, ironic take on the same. It works deliciously as both. So he he, he enjoyed it. Um, I'm, uh, yeah. My new hero. Audience-wise, it did fare much better, unfortunately. It sits at even lower 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, slightly more encouraging on Metacritic with six. It was, however, rated at four and a half stars on Amazon when I went to click and rent it. So that might might make you feel a bit better, Rob. It does. Uh, yeah. It does. Thank you. <laughs> Letterboxd is currently 2.7 um, as, of re- as of recording. That's um, below pro- our average. <laughs> yeah. It probably should be even lower going off um, C.T. Hoffey's five-star review that simply said, I tried to give it less stars, but it kept coming back with an error. <laughs> <laughs> so that hike the average up a bit with this nice broken one. system. Nice one. You don't have to admit. You know, you don't have to try so hard to, to admit you did like it, mate. You know, if you loved it, you're allowed to love it. <laughs> oh, superb. Um, well, should we just dive straight in because it is a. It doesn't waste any time. This movie does it. No. So um, let's go for it. Um, I've written here super opening. <laughs> I absolutely loved this. Um, it for me it immediately set out uh, set out its stall that it was going to be quite a knowing film. You know, it knows itself that it's stupid, and that everything happening here is stupid. And the the humour was sharp and smart, and I loved these beavers and the fact that they were used for laughs. Back and two with Gleason's sheriff, um, who I really liked at this point. And I know in the intro I called him a pervert, but there is that one bit where. He's There's a lot of perverts. His character <laughs> is is hideous. He's absolutely hideous. What what this character does uh, later on, um, but yeah. So when they started, how are you feeling? It's it's a lovely opening shot, isn't it? It's like you know, the, uh, yeah. There's a couple of films we've done now where it really just shows off how beautiful North America is. Yeah, I, this was filmed in Canada, I think, even though it's set in oh. Maine. I believe it was shot in Canada. Yeah, that would make sense. But it's it's just it's just a beautiful part of the world, isn't it? And it's just mm. so lovely and foresty, this humongous lake and pervy sheriff. <laughs> and this opening sequence is great, actually, I thought. I thought it was a nice mm. opener for the tone. Um, and ju- Brenda, I mean... Brendan Gleeson popping up was a lovely surprise with his yeah. really ropey American accent. <laughs> Just I, dipping I into his Irish <laughs> twang. Yeah, he gives up halfway through the movie, doesn't he? Definitely he definitely abandons <laughs> it halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Halfway through the opening line, I abandoned it. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just going to put it on front straight. That I didn't yeah. I didn't really enjoy this film. Yes, <laughs> and I think the problem that I had with it is, you know that uh, how you say that it's quite knowing, Rob, and it's quite yeah. Sharp. I I think when you go down that route of something being knowing and self aware, it's a very difficult tightrope to walk along where you're being clever or wherever you're being a bit smug. And what I all what I got from this is I felt that Brendan Gleeson is the only one of the actors who's trying because it's probably the novelty of being one of the leads in an American film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the others are sort of on the downward trajectory from their 90s fame, I would say. And it came across as more smug and not respectful of the genre. I, I can understand is, Which what is why I'm there, yeah. I was sort of surprised why you enjoy it so much because I know how much you enjoy the schlock. And outside yes. of this opening, I think there's there's not enough schlock in this movie at all. Well, and I agree with you that what you said before, it could do with another fifteen minutes. That's that's my main. Like it does suffer a bit this anemic runtime um, because I think there is more. There's more that can be done here. You were and, saving them for the five sequels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, which is a shame because, and, and I, you know, I've read that the, the Crocodile itself only gets three minutes 40 of, of time on screen in the entire film, um, which is a shame considering Stan Winston built this thing, you know. Oh, yeah, and it's it incredible. And swim and all sorts. It's amazing, and, isn't it? yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and I, I totally understand. I'd like to have seen the Croc do more. Um, I think there's a few, and I know what you mean. Let, we'll talk, spo- I think we're going to have to address spoilers as well, you know, like, yeah. and just say, right, there will be spoilers here. Go watch it, everyone. Um, and then we'll continue the discussion. But there's a lot of, of I know what you mean. If you if you're going to lean into this, properly lean into it and don't. Yeah, I, I do know what you mean. Like for example, the the second croc appearing at the end. Yeah, you know it's it was a bit you know like oh wouldn't it be you know schlocky and and sending up the genre if we did a second croc <laughs> and you know it but it it was all just done too quick and not with enough. I don't know. Class, possibly. I'm not sure. I, I think a lot of this, what I found with it anyway, and you know, you get, obviously we don't want to be negative, but at the same time, if you don't enjoy something, then you've oh got yeah, you got you got it. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. I found it all just really surface. Like all all the characters were really quick witted and sarcastic as well. So yeah. they're just zinging each other left, right, and centre. Yes, yes. And then and then like as they move through, it's just like we'll get into it as we move. Into, into the movie itself. I just didn't think it had the reverence for those, for the sort of films that it was attempting to send up. And it, won't, it was maybe coming from a, oh, we're all sort of a bit above this. That was the yes. whole tone yeah. that I got. I think you've nailed it there, mate, actually. I think you've you've managed to nail what I was trying to say. <laughs> you know, that that it's not coming from a point of love. Um, I, 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 please, can I say, I, Pullman, I love Pullman, but I really don't think he likes being in this film. He phoned, he phoned it in, didn't he, Pullman? He, I mean, yeah. For me, it was Gleason and um, Bridget Fonda screaming her way through the movie, who were having the most fun. Yes. And Pullman just looks like he doesn't want to be there. He's like, I was the fucking president of the United States and yeah. in the biggest yeah. movie in the world not long ago. <laughs> His entire movie. expression throughout this movie is like, oh, I didn't really cash in on Independence Day very well, did I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's no character there at all. There's no presence whatsoever, honestly. He's, no. His character is just nothing. It's like punching fog. There's just nothing there at all. <laughs> well, there's no, I mean, he's got no backstory at all. 
He's just he just happens to be from the fish and game department. Yeah. So yeah. He, and that's oh, is it. that is that what he's from? Because I, I was yeah. like, I was like, is he a park ranger? Is he's not a sheriff? But that's so that's what he is. He's just part of the fishing he's part of the fish and game department. Yeah. So he's sort of a, a ranger kind of guy, but we don't know anything about him. And I do I do agree. Watching it again, looking through my you know loving Pullman, looking through that that yeah, it was really disappointing that how disinterested. He seemed here, um, which could be one of the most negative things I've ever said on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> certainly no uh, while you were sleeping levels, is it? No, <laughs> no, he's brilliant in that movie. What a film that is! <laughs> you know, in this in this film, he did go quietly into the night. Yes. <laughs> uh, but that said. Um, this opener, I really, I really enjoyed this opener. <laughs> Pullman's not in it yet. <laughs> Gleason's having a tremendous time. Some stunt day player dude is also having an amazing time. Um, do, do you know getting... what that actor's name is? I'm so sorry. No one's gonna, no one's gonna uh, appreciate this apart from me. <laughs> What's his name? David Lewis, uh, the name of my dad. Oh, gorgeous! <laughs> so all the credits, I was like David Lewis, like ah! you know the Leonardo DiCaprio meme. Like, ah! <laughs> Pointing at the script, recognizing my dad's name was just why does why does that impress me? It's not him. I know it's not him, but still, like, oh. <laughs> so childish. Apparently, there's I keep getting sent um, pictures of people's lettuce because apparently there's a very prolific lettuce grower for Tesco's called Rob Parker, <laughs> <laughs> farmed by Rob Parker. Yeah. <laughs> DiCaprio, me. You're so 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 multi talented, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> Lovely. Perishables empire that I've got going on. <laughs> I mean, uh, talking of perishables, David Lewis totally gets it, doesn't he? During this opening, seamless, Sai. seamless oh. man. Um, yeah, I, great effect. Um, really harrowing death, actually. Breathing it out, really gripping is. him like, <gasps> <gasps> like absolutely horrific. And I love, um, you know, Gleason is a great actor, and there are a few yeah. moments in this when he's not being a scumbag, where he gets to really. You know, act of it. And this one, the great when he looks away, he's like, Jesus. It's really nice, really nicely done. And then we cut to this museum where there is this incredible sort of corporate weasel dude, Kevin, who has these, you know, very beautiful women fighting over him. I know. Adam Arkin, he was also in Pig with Nick Cage. So that's what's really? wow. movies. Incredible. <laughs> what's going on here? And, but, this is from the writer David E. Kelly, who yes. created Ali McBeal, isn't it? So the the dialogue here is super sharp. Really enjoyed this. The breakup scene, you know. So um, Bridget Fonda, her character Kelly, is um, for the most part she's unlikable, but shows the occasional redeeming feature. Yeah. But again, there's not much of an arc here, is there really? No, no. She's, no. she's, she's just a, a girl from the big city, isn't she? Who gets yeah. thrust into this. This is it, yeah. And she goes um, out to Maine and there's like mosquitoes and camping and she's not into that. I mean, it's just, it's all so basic. And I'm I'm not having to go at David <laughs> E. Kelly because he's an incredible writer, one of the most prolific creators of television, unsuccessful. He's won like 10 Emmys or something like yeah. that. Incredible writer. But if you look at the work that he does on TV, and he has dipped into horror occasionally, like he's he did the Mr. Mercedes um, series with Brendan Gleeson, which is an adaptation of the Stephen King 
uh, series of novels. And I think he does Big Sky as well, Rob, which I, I believe you're, uh, yes. you're quite enamoured by. So he's, am, he's a yeah. very, very good and prolific writer, but it just feels like here it's just sort of like he's sort of taking his television sensibilities and trying to put them into into this movie, and it just never quite coalesces into anything. And the characters are quite surface and just sort of quippy, yeah, very quippy all the way through. Yeah, I, um, I know what you mean. They, we're talking caricatures here, really, aren't we? Yeah. And and to a degree, I think it's on purpose. But also, if it's coming from a a, a place of smugness, it doesn't quite work, does it? Um, and if you know that you're creating caricatures, you could imbue a little bit more love into them. So essentially, there's four unlikable people at the centre of this, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> and I, I, I like the singers. Um, I like the the writing. I, I agree with you that there's no, no one to really like here or root for, aside from Lake Placid the Crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> Betty White, who's Betty White. the crocodile. Betty yeah. White. Yeah, Betty White's great. Because she, she's called someone like a dick muncher or something like that. Yeah, oh, profanity yeah. is coming out of Betty White's mouth is just hilarious. Oh, she's got some <laughs> terrible things. Yeah, uh, can I, I, can you bleep this side? But I think um, slap. I think she calls. <laughs> I mean, that is I can't say that. Um, but yeah, so um, Kelly goes off to Maine to be part of this because a tooth has been pulled out of the corpse or something. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. And she sees the corpse and it's horrible. And I like all these little scenes. I love all this little setup. I like all the setup stuff in these movies where they, they get together and they get their things together and, you know, they sort of tool up and the team comes together. Um, it just so happens that they're not very likable in this instance. <laughs> um, I think more of them should have died. Spoiler alert, none of oh. them die. Um, only nice people die in this film. Apparently. Well, only two people die in this film. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And they're just, they're such like red tops as well. Like they're just, they don't say anything other than being the person who dies. They're just like, yes. literally they are, that's they? all yeah. they're there for. Like a random character who's added to the party. It's like, oh, well that's the person who's going to die then rather than Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Because I was convinced it was going to be him. I was like, saw him on the credits and I was like, oh, brilliant. He's going to die, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but no, didn't get that satisfaction. Yeah, and and this while while they're here, this is where uh, you know they're getting in a thing, and there's lots of very crude suggestions from Bridget Fonda's character that it's all going to get very deliverancey, yeah. um, and yeah, it's a little bit unseemly, and she says that everyone here is backward and um, not very redeeming. <laughs> um, She's a which bit annoying, I... really, isn't she? She screams a lot, like screams a lot. Yeah, she falls out of the canoe twice. She does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why did I like this movie again? No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I still, I still do do like this movie. Um, they go camping, yeah. basically. This is a camping trip, and while they're mucking around, looking everywhere, they find that Betty White um, has a house there. You know, they've been rummaging around yeah. in this thing for ages, and they've only just realised, oh, there's a house over there. Oh, right. You know, and there's a great big. She's leading a great big cow into. <laughs> Water where a giant crocodile is sitting, and it's like, oh yeah, and that's it's the when best you shot of the movie. Really... That, to be yeah, fair. that crocodile's just there like a dog at the end of the <laughs> yeah. yacht, just waiting for a cow to be fed. To well, this is the, the the heel turn from Betty White, isn't it? She's the one who's been, <laughs> yeah. uh, she's the one who's been like tempting this crocodile by feeding it, like consistently feeding it. Because um, because they meet her earlier on, don't they? And she's just like this little little old lady who lives on the lake, and she's heard of people going missing but she doesn't quite know what it is but then they figure they find out she's the one who's been enticing like placid with her cow 
<laughs> I, I got very much like from this opening half hour, which we, because you, you don't see the crocodile for a while. You see the yeah. uh, David Lewis get his torso ripped in half, <laughs> which, which was great. Um, and then it's all got this like bitey humor, and and it reminded me of arachnophobia. Have you guys seen arachnophobia? Yes, yes. So yes. I think I think that's what they were kind of going for. I, when I was watching, it, I actually thought Bill Pullman was in arachnophobia. It's not him. It's Jeff Daniels is in that. But I I got that. Like, I thought that's what they were kind of going for tonally wise. Yes. So like a bit scary, but not so scary that kids can't watch it. And then um, also a bit funny as well. And I think that was like early nineties, and this is obviously at the back end of the nineties. Yeah. So that's how I was sort of seeing where they were going tonally with this. Like it wasn't a, you know, wasn't as deadly serious as Jaws is. No. Um, or as scary. No. And it was just all a bit of fun from for everyone, and and you know maybe that didn't as land as they'd hoped. You know whether that's awful. Um, outdated character ideals, particularly from <laughs> Oliver Platt, who rocks up, who's this... Oh, Oliver uh, Platt. It's just, his his entrance is brilliant, because they his helicopter comes in, it's like, oh, it's it's this, um, what's his character called? Hector something. Yeah, Hector Seer. Yeah, and they're like saying as if he's just this, like, rugged, handsome hunter dude, like Steve Irwin or something, and then it comes out, it's <laughs> Oliver Platt. And you're like, oh, right, is that it? It's just this, this rotund, funny guy. <laughs> just comes <out> <laughs> I really like, like Oliver Platt in this film. I, I love Oliver Platt in, in everything else. I loved him in that Three Musketeers movie. He's fucking brilliant in that. But I joke with this, he rocks up and he's just like this womanizing shitbag. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's just really yes. horrible. I, 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 yeah, I, I think some of his lines made me laugh a lot. I'm not. He's gonna... such a sleaze, isn't he? <laughs> I've got a choice one here that uh, Robert uh, McElroy, one of our listeners, has asked us to discuss. So he goes, Oliver Platt rocks up and he's sort of like a, a, a John Hammond mixed with fat Tony Stark who's obsessed with crocodiles, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and he just starts hitting on all the, all the women who are in the camp. And yeah. he says this line to, uh, <laughs> to a law enforcement, uh, to a policewoman. You know, law enforcement's a very dangerous job, and you have such big, wonderful boobs. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I think Oliver gets away with this because he's chubby and non-threatening. <laughs> no, no, because I, I, I think he's he's. I'm not saying this is acceptable way of speaking to people, but um, in terms of you know, like we were saying that Pullman wasn't investing before. Yeah. I think Platt is investing and yes, is throwing is, himself yeah. into it yeah. and is going along fully for the ride and knows how stupid this is and how stupid his character is. And he is the sort of the uh, the comedy sort of relief, isn't he? Embodied in, in sort of like a single role. Um, but yeah, he's he's dreadful. Like, uh, you know, can she stay where we were hoping to mate? <laughs> <laughs> Oof, dearie me. Um, but the, the, he also has a load of zingers, like, you know, when they find a toe. And he hands the, uh, he says, is this the man? And he holds the towel <laughs> up to Gleason. Is this the man who was eaten? <laughs> he seemed taller. And, uh, <laughs> they constantly butt heads throughout the film. They do, yes. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy just it. Constantly at each other, which is, uh, there was a really good bit where, um, Gle- uh, he's, he goes he goes to have a wee in the middle of the night, doesn't he? And he hears something in the bushes, Gleason, and then it's Hector making traps in the middle of the night. And it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? And Gleason's just there in his 
gruds just like. <laughs> <laughs> they are lovely grey gruds, aren't they? Like lovely. They're not as good as Van Damme's in Time Cop. Oh. They really are. They really well, are. Well, I mean, no, he's not as chiselled as uh, Van Damme's in Gunson. <laughs> Stuff in his face with Twinkies throughout most of them. <laughs> American accent is as good, though, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> this Next is one here. <laughs> no, I really like Platt. Um, stupid. What's going on here? Stupid. Um, but he's got loads of money and he's got loads of sweet tech. So, he, you know, they let him along for the ride. They go for a little mooch with a sonar device and they're swimming, aren't they? Uh, oh no sorry they find him uh, there's an underwater investigation with the baby croc noises Pullman inexplicably decides to get in the water great good idea that is they're all maniacs aren't they they keep getting in the water and yeah like, oh, and with Hector as well wasn't it the pair of them go you've just seen a moose's head like fully cleanly <laughs> ripped off its body and it's like oh let's just get in the water and have a look it's like well, what's it going to do to you if you there's a bloody moose well you're safe because you're one of the four main characters, so you're not going to yeah. get killed. No Basically, yeah. Stakes there. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's a real uh, failing as well. Is that I know it's they're going for comedy horror is a real difficult balance to get right, and if you don't, then you tip over too far into the other one. And it derails the other part of the film. There's no stakes in this movie. Nobody lives by this lake apart from yeah. Betty White. Betty Nobody's White. going in. <laughs> Nobody's uh, going in. And she's the main the villain. She's Lake Placid's she is mother. The main villain, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's not doing any harm. Stay out of the water. Done. <laughs> well, she makes a very good point, doesn't she? Where she says, like, it's his lake. No one lives around here. Just leave him yeah. alone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... I can't believe they left that in because it just completely undermines any peril. <laughs> What I thought it could have done with as well is a few more like sort of jump scares, like yeah, you know, just to sort of pepper those through so that you, even though it's sort of light horror, you're still getting those little like horror moments within there. And this Mm. is directed by Steve Miner, who is a uh, who did Halloween H two O of this parish, and uh, also a couple of Friday the 13th sequels. So he knows his way around a jump scare and also around a lake. So you would think that (laughs) he'd be absolutely fine with this material, but it it just doesn't seem like they can quite decide what tone they're going with all the way through. Mm. Yeah, I know. I I would agree with that. And and it's sort of, it's, it's clearly derivative of a lot of stuff as well, you know, purposefully and unpurposefully, I think at times too. Um, Like, on treading, you know, what she, what's Bridget Fonda gets thrown in, doesn't she? Yeah. And you all think, oh no, that the croc's there. And there is this, there's this horrible thing, isn't there? When you, you're treading water and you don't know what's beneath you. That, uh, that is hor- horrible. Have you ever done that? Oh, well, that, uh, that's, that's why I always do that when I'm in the sea. So I'm not scared of going in the sea, but I'll enjoy it and I'll swim out a bit and I'll be really enjoying it. And then all of a sudden I'll think of, Something could be be under this water, and then I shit myself, and then I have to swim back as quick as possible. <laughs> I do it, it every it, single time. There's probably nothing there. I, I, yeah, this stuff is scary. I, I um, fell. Um, what? Did, uh, yeah, I was on a boat, and um, I saw a seal in the water. This was off the south coast, and I said to the the skipper, like, "Can I? I'd love to get in there with it. Is there any chance?" And he said, "Yeah, why not?" I was like, "Oh, amazing!" You know. Um, so this cute little seal head, like this, like ee ee. And then um, that's an official seal noise. <laughs> and um, so, I, yeah, I was like, right, I'll, I'll get in. So I popped my wetsuit on and jumped in and then, you know, had a look underwater. And 
absolutely pooed myself. Like that thing is like five feet of pure muscle and sp- swimming around my feet, nipping at my fins and stuff. And I'm like, I absolutely pooed my pants. Um, so perspective is a massive big, big thing as well here, isn't it? So like in my head and like looking down in water and you can see fronds moving and you don't know what's in them. Oh, that stuff is gross. Uh, yeah, massive respect and fear of the ocean. And because it's one of the greatest undiscovered mysteries of uh, of the planet as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's a you, in in a Terrifying. film sense you have that really good shot that I mean it was in Deep Blue Sea as well where it's like yeah below the feet underwater and you just get the legs treading water yeah and that's it the isn't weird it? creepy music and you know it's all... and oh, it all comes back to Chrissy Watkins doesn't it and Steven yes, Spielberg absolutely, yeah. everything every bit of this does um, and um, yeah well you know and then a head gets whipped off um, which I wasn't expecting that at the time you know i thought someone else would buy it but it's amazing you mentioned deep blue sea a minute ago because that's what this film could do with is like that right well samuel jackson's gone anyone yeah exactly yeah yeah give me something to keep us on our toes you know that's the thing it's like it becomes pretty apparent within you know in the first half of the movie that they're not going to kill any of these characters off at all though yeah because who would they be zinging then? <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I just felt that there was. I know they're they're going for laughs as well, but you've still got to have the horror tropes in there as well, and maybe give something that's going to provide a little bit of attention as we move into the into the final act. Mm, I, I agree with you. Um, before you know it, we're, we're like literally on the home straight with this film now. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like it's the coming down. starts messing about, doesn't he, with a helicopter? Yeah. and he nearly gets one of the sheriff's killed and yes. they say right that's it we're just going to kill the the crocodile now basically and like oh yes. all right then and then he goes no no we can lure it and trap it and yeah then if something goes wrong you can blow it to smithereens and it's like oh all right then why not it's 10 yeah. minutes left let's let's go for it <laughs> <laughs> i actually quite like this that the, the angle where they realize that the crocodile's a bit special don't they like it's from yeah it's obviously not from this part of the world. It's like emigrated from the other side of the world. Yeah. Um. So that they're like, we can't kill it. Let's capture it because it's just a, it's an amazing specimen. So I do like how they have that sort of, yeah. they, they're butting heads over that because Pullman wants to just kill it. Yeah. And um, all uh, Hector and um, I don't know what Bridget Fonda's character is. I don't know Kelly. why she's why why Kelly's still here at the minute. She's identified what it is. She's done her job. She can just go yeah. home now. <laughs> well, they actually say it. that to her at one point. Why are you still here? <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Well, I want to be a part of something, mm. you know." And back home, you know, I've been rejected, and it's a hell of a way to get over a breakup, isn't it? The <laughs> crocodile hunting. <laughs> and she's Steve Irwin. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> it's um, a great way to uh, to try and catch the croc, though, isn't it? Um, humanely, I mean that that <laughs> dangle a cow above them. Yeah. it's really snide. <laughs> the, yeah, dangling this cow, um, and they've got a great big net and some bait. I like how simple that is. Let's just have a great big net and some bait. Um, what's his name though? Oliver Platt. I can't get this. I can't understand this. He's in a helicopter, right? But he's got underwater sonar. How does that work? He's rich. Well, how... <laughs> just billionaire. It's just hot tech. <laughs> how does it work? He showed before that he needed his sensor to show the sonar. Now, don't don't, don't need that now. I can just I do it from the air. Why didn't he do that before? If he's got this great big helicopter, why'd he go in a boat before? He just he can cover the whole lake in half an hour. Well, he's, he's dipping the cow in the water. 
I love how it's dawning on Rob that, like, oh my god, this movie is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually happening in real time here. I told you I'd go on a journey here. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, anyway, they, they eventually um, oh, catch the thing because he crashes. I mean, he cra- he's, what a terrible helicopter pilot. The cow kicks a bit and he goes under. Uh, uh, you know, uh, helicopter goes down. And the the croc comes through the, the helicopter. There's some lovely fight on land. You yeah. know, where the, they're all, like, trying to scrabble away and Bridget Fonda gets booted, uh, or tailed, sorry, over towards the helicopter. And she climbs up onto the the helicopter as well. And the croc comes through the helicopter. Gotcha. And Daisy the cow survives as well. Um, and then another one pops up. Bang. Uh, Brendan Gleeson gets to use his mega gun. And... Um, the croc goes home on a flatbed truck. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, as well, they have a chance here because the second croc emerges, and I was, I'd genuinely forgotten that part, so I was, like, yeah, I was quite yeah. surprised when it happened. I had to. Right. And it grabs Oliver Platt by the ankle and drags him into the water. I was like, oh, right, brilliant. They, 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 I forgot that they killed him off, but now he just sort of wriggles away and gets back on land. <laughs> yeah, they, they dangle that carrot a few times, don't they? Because yeah. uh, Gleason, it happens to him as well, but he manages to, to squirm away on, onto the back, the back of the truck. Mm. I'll be honest with you, I don't think these crocodiles are that dangerous, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, the humans Useless. are the bad guys, really. They're not doing it. They're not bad at killing like wildlife. Like They've killed a moose and a bear. He drags a bear into the, he does drag into the yes, lake at one true. point. Um, but outside of that, killing humans, not great. Not, yeah. not really on it. it the, what was it? The stats, the predator stats board. The predators aren't going to bring in these crops. They're useless. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to get predator versus Lake Placid on time <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll be shorter than this film, that's for sure. They'll just fly down and... <laughs> gone. What should we do? Yeah. Frank Predator, what should we do? Should we just shoot it? <laughs> yeah. I, we could just leave it. It's not doing anything. Just leave it. Frank, can we be clear? Is the crocodile called Lake Placid or is where he lives called Lake Placid? <laughs> can we get some clarity, please? Frank, you brought us here. You tell us. <laughs> Apparently, the lake isn't even called Lake Placid. I'm very confused. <laughs> and yeah, we're, we're done, aren't we, really? Oh, Kelly gets in the, in the, in the car with Bill Pullman. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, the, 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 the romance, which... Had no inkling of romance at any point. There was no attraction, now. was there at all? <laughs> Zero chemistry. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely nothing happening. <laughs> Flatlining chemistry. Yeah, she's on the rebound, and Bill Pullman is obviously the most handsome person there. <laughs> so why not? Just whatever. Let's go to a bar. He's got lovely hair as well, Pullman. In this, he's, always, he's always got gorgeous hair, Pullman. Now he's rocking yeah. a gorgeous beard in his in his old yeah. age. Yeah. Um, what a guy. It's um, impressive. I mean, he's pretty much asleep for most of this film. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, he just can't be arsed, can he? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's so obvious. It, it, and it's quite painful as well, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, well, there we go. Like Placid. Um, for your reconsideration. Oh, no. Best, best bits. bits. Best, best bits. bits. Si, what's your best bit? Um... I really liked when Gleason kept getting repeatedly caught in Hector's traps. <laughs> yeah. And there was one so the first one he falls in a hole and then the second one is like um it's like a rope pulley thing and he just goes <laughs> he just gets caught and pulled up in this tree and it's just this dangling 
Brendan Gleeson, who's quite a large gentleman. And <laughs> just, I mean, I'm sure it's a stunt double, but it's just, I just found that really funny. <laughs> so there was just a couple of uh, surprisingly funny bits. Uh, I found myself laughing out loud on occasion, actually. I, I love. I, I'm smiling a lot at that answer. Sorry, by the way. <laughs> James, I, I think the relationship between Gleason and Oliver Platt is the uh, is the best part of the movie, and they're constant sniping back and forth before they find some common ground and bond a little bit. Uh, but yeah, obviously, it ultimately becomes it comes to a head because um, Gleason keeps getting um, pulled up in traps, which are quite good fun, to be fair. And anyway, it comes to fisticuffs, and Oliver Platt delivers this monologue about how he knows karate and he's going to kick his ass. And Gleason just punches him square on the nose and knocks him <laughs> on the ass, and then just shrugs and goes, He said he knew karate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're just friends then after that. They get on They are, well. yeah, yeah. Essentially. My favourite bit would be uh, underwater when Bridget Fonda is in the water. And you get to see the croc full length underwater. Uh, what a magnificent creation this is by Stan Winston and Tim's yes. team. I think any time I see that that great big beast underwater, because some you know on land it gets lost in some dated CGI, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Which whereas, you'd expect from a film. From of course this you would. Time. Yeah, like, of course it, you would. It's not. It gets away with it, but it, it's it's nowhere near as good as the full animatronic, is it? Yeah, I mean the full animatronic stuff. I, what I'll do when this episode comes out. Um, and hopefully you listeners are enjoying this at the moment, is I'll put some pictures, behind-the-scenes pictures, of this huge thing in the water that they made. Because it really is something. So anytime that thing is in the water and you can see it, but there's a particular moment where it twists, um, the, the croc's head twists and opens around a um, around a trunk of a downed tree and Bridget Fonda, and it's really quite... Yeah, that's a really good moment. We could have done with a lot more of that in this movie. Exactly. There's, it's sort of there. I mean, the ingredients are there. It just, yeah. And Stan yeah. Winston, apparently, he got, um, he knows the director, Steve Miner, and he came around and said, oh, we want to we want to do this movie. He started building this before they even had the financing through. So really? like, he put this thing together, spent like a million dollars putting this huge crocodile together <laughs> before the financing had even come through because he just loves building stuff, I suppose. I mean, but when you get, you're told you're going to, you, right, you've got to build a 40 foot croc. Like, yeah. as a creature creator, you're going to get excited by that. Mm. I mean, that is really cool. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be, yeah. Um, so, what about then for your reconsideration? Um, who'd like to go first? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I've sort of set my stall out here. I didn't enjoy it mainly because it doesn't know what it is. It gets caught somewhere between being a schlocky creature feature and a zany workplace sitcom, and ultimately <laughs> doesn't deliver in either department. The cast looked bored, no doubt, thanks to the lack of stakes and body count. I mean, what's two people die in this giant crocodile movie, which is absurdly low for this genre. <laughs> Uh, outside of Stan Winston and Betty White, it feels like everyone involved with the production is phoning it in, and they were just pleased that it reached 75 minutes so they could shove it out. <laughs> I can imagine them in the screen room. Yeah, that'll do. Get it out. <laughs> so you didn't like this, James? Clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a few well-placed zingers and impressive creature design notwithstanding, this is a pretty hollow and apathetic attempt at a B-movie that fundamentally misunderstands what makes movies like this so enjoyable. We've done a lot of creature features 
on this pod. And uh, one that we were a little bit dismissive of was Abominable, which was the the Bigfoot movie. Give me that over this. Wow. Any day of the week. At oh, least it knows geez. what it is and it's leaning into, yes. into the, the schlock and deliver it, yeah. yeah, and it delivers some some good kills and some and some over the top performances and you know, some good fun schlocky moments. You know, this has got a lot of money thrown at it in comparison and it just doesn't yeah. seem to have that soul of, you know, just delivering what should be a rollicking good time on a Friday night. I think that's a really fair assessment, James, to be honest. But Sai, what about you? Right, so during the first like 20 minutes, I didn't think I was going to like this at all. And I was wondering why you'd pick this, Rob. <laughs> uh, but I'm not going to lie, like once it got going and uh, I, I, I did find myself digging it more and more as it went on and it made me laugh on several occasions, you know, with the zingers and, you know, particularly when Betty White yells, fuck meat. Uh, <laughs> 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 a particular highlight. Um, so, it, I mean, it's definitely not a classic of the genre, like, by no means at all. But I kind of think it'll do the job as a sort of, like, family-friendly creature feature. It's not that scary. Um, it's more funny than scary. That's what they were probably going for. You know, if you can forgive the outdated misogyny from Oliver Platt as well, which is just like, whoo, <laughs> just yes. so on the nose. And <laughs> But yeah, like you said, Rob, maybe Oliver Platt gets away with it. I just think ultimately it just doesn't swing enough one way or the other. Yeah. It's not scary enough. It's not got enough peril for the main characters. There's not enough deaths, as James said. There's those sides, what makes these creature features good, it doesn't have enough of. But then if you're going to make it a comedy version of that, it doesn't do enough on that side either. It does have yeah. its funny moments, and I did laugh a few times. Yeah. Which made me, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm glad it wasn't longer than it was, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it was nice to just get it out of the way. Um, so, yeah, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I think if you've got that nostalgic, you know, if it was one of these things you watched when you were younger and you got a lot of laughs out of it, and, and you know, it's, it's one of those nostalgic films, you'll probably get a lot out of it again re-watching it. But I, I think if you've not seen it before, there's probably better creature features out there, and probably ones we've covered. Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea. Um, Rogue. There's another one as well, Rogue. Yeah. Rogue, definitely. yeah. You want a giant crocodile movie? Go for that one. That's your one. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> what was the one in the museum as well? That's a better one. Relic. Relic, Relic yeah. 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 So I think it's definitely the... I don't want to say worst, it sounds too negative, but it's it's definitely the bottom tier of the creature features we've done, I think. I can... I can no, I... Sorry, I, Rob. I, I <laughs> can 100% recognise the failings of this film, having talked it through as well. And obviously, we've just... We opened up the episode really talking about the power of nostalgia and with our mm. VHSs, didn't we? And it does make a difference, though, doesn't it? It really It definitely does. does. It definitely yeah. does. And I definitely have a rose-tinted thing here. I, I definitely... I cannot shake the feeling of wonder when there is a creature movie, the setting is amazing and people are getting eaten. But there is a lot missing here. There is a lot missing from um, the characters pretty much fundamentally are all unlikable. The main quadruple are mm. unlikable and um, they all survive, <laughs> which is much to my chagrin. Um, <laughs> but there, there, there is something missing in the set pieces as well. There's not enough of them, really. There's not, and they're not. Um, 
they don't quite deliver as much. I don't think enough is made of the location, actually, um, mm. and the possibilities and the set pieces you could do with this location. I don't think enough is made of it. Um, but that said, I flipping love big stuff eating people. <laughs> I just love it, and I can't get past it. And I love, I love the fact that there are a lot of zingers here. I think, you know, there's that thing we say about, can you watch it on a Friday night and have fun? I think you definitely can. I think, you know, and it's it's short enough to warrant going, I'm not investing too much of my life in this here, you know. Yeah, it's got a, so. a fabulous um creature design by Winston. I mean, it's just fabulous what he's done. And there's enough laugh out loud moments. Um it's not a classic of any genre at all, whether it's comedy, whether it's horror, whether it's that very small area of crocodile movies. <laughs> it's not a classic crocodile movie. You know, we've covered better ones ourselves, you know. But um, <laughs> I still have a really big soft spot for it, um, and I really want to go and see Maine. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. So I, I bought 100% points taken on board. But uh, we're no longer friends, so... I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth saying that the um, the deaths what happened are really good and really yeah. gruesome yeah. and, like, fucking, like, surprising as well. That first one when he pulls his torso out, you're like, fucking hell, that's a yeah. bit heavy, isn't it? And yeah. then the second one, I don't quite understand the logistics of how he managed to decapitate the body with his positioning and how the crocodile came out. But that was good as well. That was, like, you know, yeah. total... Star Trek Red Top, just like the only reason he's on that <laughs> boat is because he's going to die. Well, that took me that took me by surprise as well. I just I would would have just liked the Deep Blue Sea approach where it does that to a main character, and you're like, Absolutely. holy shit! If Bull Pillman, if Bull Pillman, if Bill Pullman <laughs> was that one who got decapitated, that would have been like fucking hell. That, that is, would have been ace. That would have been really it's it's on, business. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. on. Because yeah. he's he, he's offered he's not really offered much in the film at that point anyway he's you know no. he doesn't offer anything at all yeah so that that would <laughs> he's have been no a good... threat just leave him alone <laughs> he doesn't do anything and uh, I, I know just what you mean and and recently I mean I know on a previous episode I talked about watching Crawl think about the the stakes in that and exactly. uh, what yeah. the characters oh, go through they are evil bastards though crocodiles are. they are like <laughs> in them. that one they are yeah. and it's like. This, you know, I know they're totally different movies trying to do totally different things, but I mean, that there's poles apart, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that was must have been for a lot less budget as well. And nobody dies in that, or nobody that we know dies in, in that one. Anyway. <laughs> well, Barry Pepper, <laughs> every, Pepper does, does e- almost best. everything <laughs> but, but die. <laughs> oh, I need to watch it again. I absolutely love that movie. Um. Fellas, that was absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much. I, I, even if we, you know, and part of this discussion is to disagree and to have different opinions. And oh, I, yes, I love it, you. you know, but I, I still enjoy the discussion. I always, always do, especially if it's something as funny as this. Well, this is it. I mean, I want to go in and I want to love every movie that we do. And by and large, we do. It's just this one just didn't didn't work for me, unfortunately. I feel bad about it. I wish it was. Oh, you should. So you should. So you sh- no, no, we should. No, we should. No. Because when, when you guys press rent on Lake Placid, I press buy. So I own it now. You know. Oh, um, did you? Well, yeah. yeah this yeah, cost me three fifty as well. Did, yeah, yeah, did you, you have to rent it, James, or did you have it on DVD? And it's still its wrapper. Oh yeah, that was when, <laughs> that was that was one of my first notes. Twentieth Century Fox. Why is this not on Disney Plus in the UK? Why do I yes. have to rent? This? Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it totally yep. should be. So oh, that's no. probably what put me in a bad mood to start with. <laughs> 
super stuff. Well, what have we got next time? James, it's your pick, isn't it? It is, yes. So later this year, there is a Ghostbusters sequel coming out. And people say there has never been a good Ghostbusters sequel. And I disagree with that. So we're going back to 1989. And the first film I ever saw at the cinema... And we're going to look at Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> you saw this in the cinema? Outstanding. How, how old were you? Like six? Five. Five. Oh, my days. Terrifying. I traumatised forever. <laughs> I was. Honestly. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch it till I was in my 20s. I mean, dearie me. Well, I cannot wait. Folks, Ghostbusters 2 next time. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous, this qualifies. What oh, yeah, hell? it's a disgrace. Absolute disgrace. disgrace. What is wrong and all those people that said that it, there's never been a good Ghostbusters sequel, go to the nearest mi- mirror and stare at yourself. <laughs> Just look at yourself. Honestly. Jokers. Um, fabulous stuff, fellas. Thank you very much, as always, you two. And thank you for listening. Please tune in next time for Ghostbusters 2. I still can't believe that qualifies. Um, and chat with us on the Twitters. Um, Hit us up with your uh, five-star reviews, if possible, please. Please do. Uh, And, yeah, take it easy. Say goodbye, boys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. Can't think of anything funny to say. (laughs) 